0: out your message notes. I want to share on Esther. It's really a fantastic story. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the story, maybe you're new to church or don't, don't know a lot about the stories in the Bible, uh, let me tell you a little bit of background with Esther. It's found in the Old Testament and she actually has a whole book in the Old Testament. It's called Esther. And I want to encourage you, it's only eight or nine chapters, go through and read it and read the story. It's a fantastic story. But really what we see is Esther is an orphan. Uh, She doesn't have parents and yet she becomes the queen of Persia. And so Mordecai is her cousin and he takes her in and raises her as his own. And both Esther and Mordecai are Jews. Now people know that Mordecai is a Jew, but he told them, he told Esther not to tell people she was a Jew. So nobody knew that the queen is a Jew. It was a secret. And Mordecai is a high ranking official and He's got favor with the king. And it's amazing its that Esther became the queen all because of Mordecai. He set it up. He's positioned her and connected her and trained her and raised her up her whole life for a moment like this. And so she becomes the queen. And then we find there's a character named Haman, a man who hates Jews. He hates Mordecai. Mordecai's a Jew, so he therefore hates Jews. And so he devises this plan that he's going to annihilate all the Jews It really you know create a genocide of this Jewish people in the region and so he goes to the king who is Queen Esther's husband and he tells him of this plan and he says look they're they're messing up our kingdom they're no good and he devises a plan that on such and such day everyone all the Persians will attack all the Jews that live in our kingdom and will kill them will take their land and will take their possession well the king didn't care do what you want to do. So he creates this decree. Now the king doesn't know that Esther is a Jew. And so Haman goes out, makes this decree that we're going to kill all the Jews on this day. Mordecai finds out. He's he's mourning, praying to God, "How how do we keep from your people experiencing genocide? He tells Esther and so, hey, you're the queen, you're a Jew, you gotta do something about it. Nestor says, Hey, listen, I get it, I'd do something, but the reality is the king hasn't invited me into his chamber in the last 30 days. So I can't even talk to the king. Because back then, if you went into the king's chamber without being invited, he would potentially kill you. The sentence was death. And so she's like, you know, it's been a little while and Mordecai challenges her, and that's where we actually pick up the story in verse 12 of chapter 4. It says, when Esther's words reported to Mordecai, hey, listen, it's been a while. I mean, I, don't even, I, I can't even get in to see the king. He sends back this answer. Do not think that because you're in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, and, and you look at that Remain silent. Do nothing. So Esther, if you do nothing, you say nothing, you don't act, you don't recognize this as your moment, listen, some things are going to happen. Relief and deliverance for all the Jews will arise from another place. I think God, look, his will is going to be done. The question is, is it in our lifetime with us and our generation with this people, this group? Like God's will ultimately comes to pass. But I think he's challenging her like, hey, you're the one for this moment. He says, from another place, but you and your father's family will perish, and who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. So in other words, Esther, you were made for this. Everything in life has led you up into this moment. And then look at her response in verse 16. She says this, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. So in other words, I might die, but I'm going to do it anyway. And if I perish, I perish. And when you keep reading the story, it's it's really a fascinating story of courage and faith. And a woman that recognized that this was her time that God had given to her to step up in faith, not knowing what would happen or the consequences would be. And as she did, we, we see in Esther that she saved God's people from genocide. All of God's people were able to overthrow the enemy and take their possessions, their land, and their wealth. And it was an amazing miracle that God performed because of her obedience. And I thought, man, that's, that's great. So how did she do it? I thought, how, how did Esther do this? First thing is she engaged and recognized her moment. So there was something on the inside where she says, look, this is my moment, that God has trusted me with it, that in this moment I was made for such a time as this. And I think the same is true of us today, that God is trusting us with this moment. Anchor bend. Everyone who comes to this place, this house of worship, God is saying, look, I trust you with the opportunity that is being presented before you. I mean, think about this, of all the times in history, of all the places to live, of all the people, look at who is sitting in this room right now. When you think about it, it's like, man, God, you must have a plan for my life. I asked some of our leaders when I was preparing this, uh, I said, hey, give me a list of just where some of our people are from because it's not just Richmond and Rosenberg and Sugarland because you come to church and if you come from Sugarland or, you know, Katy, which we have quite a few, Katy and North Richmond and all the different places in Rosenberg, it's like you can think, well, look, God, you just brought us from this surrounding area and we just happened to come into this building and we happened. To be here, you don't know. My wife drugged me here today. Come on, somebody. You know, it's like I just happened to be here. But but look at where where we're from. This is just some of the leaders, and this doesn't include those of you that are from other places here this morning. Nigeria, Bulgaria, Philippines, Guatemala, Mexico. That's just some of the countries. Look at some of the places here in America: Alaska, New York, Illinois, Florida, Louisiana, Michigan. California, come on, somebody! If you came from California, it had to be God, here up in the Berg. You know, right? It's like God. I don't know how, how many said. I don't even know how I ended up in the Berg. You know this? It's like, good Lord, why? Well, I know it's because of this moment. It's to advance His kingdom. I know you got a job, and I know you got uh, living the American dream, and all those things are happening. But it's bigger than that. God, God has a calling on your life because He has a calling on this church, and it's like we're doing something together to advance His kingdom. But you got to recognize and engage that this is my moment. Everybody say, this is my moment. It's going to take courage. I mean, you're not going to do anything great for God and it not take courage. And just like Esther, she had to have courage to step out in faith. Like it was going to cost her life. Look, this, this whole moving forward, it ain't going to cost us our life. Right? But for her, it was like, man, I'm all in. God, I'm all in. Whatever it takes, whatever whatever the consequence, whatever the cost, I'm going to step up because I recognize that, God, you gave me favor to become queen. You, you gave me all that I have, and I have no choice but to serve you, not out of obligation but out of love. And I think saying yes to this moment for us is going to require a lot of faith. It's going to require a lot of courage. Why? Because you're going to have to stretch your faith. You're going to have to take a step out of your comfort zone. You're going to, you're going to have to say, God, I, I realize that that's a little further. That's a little more. You're asking more than I can do in and of myself. And that's okay because if it wasn't, it's probably not God. It's like, I'm going to take that step. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to be uncomfortable as we take possession of what God has given to us. And that takes courage. And then I love, look, Esther, how else? Here's the third thing. She took personal responsibility. How'd she do it? She took personal responsibility. Me. This is me. I got to step up. See, think about, I always go into these stories of the Bible and the history of, of God's people, and I love it because the, the thing that helps me really, I think, preach it in a way that we get it and share it in a way that we get it is you just go start thinking about the people and the characters. They're real people. You know, sometimes you could read the story, and you're like, oh, that's Queen Esther, and you, know, you put her up on She's just like us flesh and blood, faith, fear, courage, doubt. I mean, how many have ever felt like, like it's one thing one day and another thing the next? I'm full of faith. Oh no, I'm full of doubt. It's okay. Like that's the wrestling on the inside of us. And I could just imagine Queen Esther, you know, if I was her, it's like, man, think about this, man, I'm, I'm the highest lady in this whole kingdom. The King loves me. Now I don't know what's going to happen to all you Jews, like all them people outside the palace. But as for me, I'm sure my husband's going to fight for me. The, the, the Bible says the king was very pleased with Esther. So I can't imagine after he found out the decree was going to impact her that he wouldn't do something to set her free. And that's a huge possibility. But she, she says, no, I, I know I'm living large. You know, I, I know I'm comfortable. I know, I know i done moved on up in society. Went from an orphan to a queen. I, I recognize it. I mean, think about this. She's living the Persian dream. I mean, all the girls are thinking about her like this. They want to be like her, her story. What's happened is like, wow. It's, so why rock the boat? Think about why rock the boat? Why, why take a chance? Why, why allow this to impact my status and what I have? I, I, you might would say, hey, Mordecai, go ahead. You, you handle this, Mordecai. Like, why, why don't you try to go in and see, the, like, if the king ki- kills you, it's not as big of a deal as me. You know, if it's me, you know, nobody's going to protect our people. Right, I mean, she could have delegated it off to Mordecai, but she didn't. She think about she could have prayed for God to send a solution. Oh God, raise up somebody that will help change this situation. Somebody that will talk to the king. God, give him influence. Give him, whatever, you know, the ability to communicate. And wh- no, no, no. She, she said, no, no. I'm not going to defer responsibility. I'm going to take responsibility. And because she did, her people, God's people, lived and were not mass murdered. Think about it. She took personal responsibility. That's great. Go ahead. Let's- And I think about for us, you know, just as she said, she said, you got to say, this is my moment. I was made for this. I was made for such a time as this. And for us as a body of believers, we got to say, this is my moment. Everybody said my moment. I mean, moving forward, the campaign, here, here's what you understand too. As she saved lives, we're saving lives. This campaign is not about a building. I need you to know, I, one of the things I loved about being portable and have loved and will always church, I think we'll always have a campus that is portable as we continue to grow and expand our impact throughout the region, but I, I love it because it forces you to think about church not inside the four walls, but outside the four walls. You know, we could go to the cafeteria, it doesn't matter. We can be in here, it doesn't matter. We're still going to have church. Church. Lives are going to be touched. You know, people were saved in the cafeteria the last two weeks, just like they're going to be saved today here in this building. It's not about the building. It's about the lives that God's going to save through the obedience of us. See, you say, well, you can't save anybody. You're right. I can't. But we are the hands and the feet of Jesus, and the way they experience God is through the obedience of his people. And so we find ourselves realizing it's not even about the building. It's really about the power of God touching and changing lives. It's about lost people being saved. I don't know about you, but I want to populate heaven and depopulate hell. It's about marriages being healed. So many of your marriages, you walked in and, man, you were on your way to divorce. I could tell you story after story. And you found yourself here saying, hey, we'll just try it. And not that your marriage is perfect, no marriage is perfect, but it's getting healthy. And you find yourself moving forward. That's what this building is about. It's about helping people have great marriages that are healthy. It's about restoring families. I was thinking about Pastor Ronnie and Annabelle. When they first joined us in our house, we began to pray for his entire family to come to church and to give their life to Christ and to serve God. And one of the most amazing thing is God brought every single one of them to this place and they've committed their lives and their families to God. They serve on the dream team and their family is closer than it's ever been. God is healing and restoring families. That's what it's all about. It's about loving our children in a powerful way, in a a real way, and helping them be ministered to in an effective way so they understand. Our goal is for every child to know that God loves them and we believe in them. And then God, he loves you. He cares about you. And look, we believe in you. We're going to create safe places where you can experience him and encounter him for yourself. We don't babysit kids. We train them up, raise them up, and send them out. The place for our teenagers to have, where they can question, you know, is God real? Is this church thing real? Is He the God of my parents, or is He my God? And I think it's important that that's what this this whole movement, this moment, is really about. It's about those that need an encounter with God that are not already here. And sometimes, look, we're like, hey, I'm good, just like Esther. Look, I'm good. Look, I'm good. We're saved. My my family's better. But what you got to realize, what about those that are not? What about the thousands and thousands? Look, every church in this region needs to be filled up. We prayed over 21 days of prayer that revival would hit every church. Why? Because if it did, we still wouldn't have enough place to house those that would come in to be saved and set free. And this is what I'd say. Listen, if Anchor Bend is your church... This is a place you say, well, I didn't sign a membership. It ain't about signing a piece of paper, but you know inside this is your... Look, those are your kids in the children's ministry right now being ministered to. Those are your teenagers going to city groups that launch tonight. All of my teenagers, we got our city groups launching all throughout the community today. Go on the website, anchorben.com, check it out. It's about those guys that will be there. If, If they're showing up for that... You're here on Sundays, your friends, your family, and you come and you experience services, or you're going to small groups, or or you're taking next steps in serving, or you've been impacted by the outreach. Maybe you just show up to the outreaches, or maybe the outreach has impacted you. I want you to know Anchor Bend is your church. I'd get a better amen than that. Come on. This is your church. It's not about them, those. No, no. This is us saying, God, I take responsibility. This is actually my moment, just like it is all of ours, and I'm going to choose to allow you to give me the faith and the courage to engage in this moment so we can see lives touched and changed, just like Esther did. And so if someone would say, well, how do we engage in the moment? There's three things that we need to do to engage in the moment. Here's the plan. Number one, bring your best gift to the miracle offering on March 1st. March 1st. Five weeks from now, we're going to do a miracle offering. That's our seven-year anniversary. Come on, somebody. So excited about that. Seven years. Can you imagine that we are looking to close on our first permanent worship center seven years after we started? You saw the pictures. There was just a handful of us. Look at what God has already done. And so we're pledging to say, I'm coming and bringing my best offering, my one-day offering on that day for us to move forward as a church and reach more people and impact more lives. Look, let me show you. This is why we're doing it. Here's some of the numbers. So our goal has been to raise a million dollars. So we, we signed the contract December 7th or 8th. From that day, I stood up and I told you as a church, what did I tell you? I said, we have to raise a million dollars. Didn't have it, had to raise it. I want you to know that in the last 45 days, we've raised 800 or 588 thousand dollars. Come on, somebody! God, you ought to give God a hand of that. That's. But there's still 414 thousand needed by March, and so the reality is, we're coming together to give our best gift at this one-day offering, so that we can close on this property and move forward. And so I want you to know, I recognize many of you gave in the legacy offering in December. Many of you gave your best, and you went all in. I want you to know this, Phyllis and I went all in too. We didn't hold back, we didn't save back. We knew about this miracle offering, and we still went all in. So I want you to know, I recognize that, and I appreciate that. All I'm asking you to do is to come on March 1st and do your best That we would come together and give this miracle offering on our anniversary service. And we're going to celebrate. We're going to worship. I'm going to share a message. And we are going to party like never before on that day. And I'm going to encourage you to say, I want to be a part of that day. And Phyllis and I, we're going to do our best. And I want to encourage you, just do your best. Second thing is this. Make a 24-month faith pledge. Uh, It's going to take us 24 months to really galvanize, we're working through the construction. The construction, we, we've got to do some of the architectural designs, finish those up. The outside, and so 24-month faith pledge that says, I'm going to commit to give over and above my tithes for the next 24 months X amount of dollars. Now, hear me, over and above tithes. Don't switch your tithes. Don't say, hey, we're gonna, I'm just going to put my tithes toward it. No, no, because your tithes goes to help us. Fulfill the operating budget of this church. It helps us ministry be effective and all that. This is over and above your ties I'm asking you to say we're going to come and give our best faith pledge and allow God to stretch you. Uh, allow God to say speak to you and give you a number. If it if it doesn't make you uncomfortable, it's probably not God. Right. Let, let me let me just say it again. If it doesn't make you uncomfortable, it's probably not God. And so here's the other thing too. I want everybody to listen to me on this too. If you're not tithing, do not pledge. You say, well, I thought, I thought, I thought we we're all going to engage in this campaign. Yeah, but you're going to engage by committing to faithfully tithe for the next 24 months. So your commitment is, God, I, you know, I'm not even tithing. I'm not giving regularly. So my commitment is I'm going to tithe to this house. Here, here's why somebody said, well, don't you need the pledge? Yeah, but I need you to be blessed more than I need a pledge. I need you to tithe. I need you to give. Why? Because here's what we know. When you put God first in your finances, well, then you're going to be blessed. But don't try to overdo this pledge and, and, and the enemy is robbing and stealing because you haven't even put God first in your tithe. So just say, hey, listen, and the pastor needs me, this church needs me. I'm going to step up, God. I hadn't done it in the past. Or maybe you did and you fell off the wagon. Now's the time to get back on the wagon and say, I'm going I'm to pledge to tithe faithfully. For the next twenty-four months, and then if the Lord bless, or as the Lord blesses you, and if He speaks to you, then you just say, "Okay, now I'm gonna pledge over and above." But do the tithing first. Can I get an amen? amen. I want you to know this, just so you hear it from me personally. Phyllis and I are pledging the most we have ever given anywhere. Our entire life, uh, we looked at our giving last year, and last year was a stretch. We'd never given as much as we gave last year, in those one-day offerings. And God blessed us. He allowed us to do it. So we added those up. And I said, Well, if you let me do it last year, even though it was a stretch, I've already done it. That's not really a stretch. And so we talked about it. And so we just doubled that and then added to it. And I want you to know that's because I'm not going to ask you to do something that we haven't done. But I know the faithfulness of God. You got to remember listen, before I was a pastor, I was an entrepreneur. And so Steve and I owned businesses and we had a real estate investment company and I, Phyllis and I had a restaurant. And, and so I, I know what it's like in that season. I wasn't a pastor, but you know what I was? I was a legacy giver. We were going to church and so I recognized God was blessing our real estate, blessing the restaurant. And so we were actually one of the top 20 givers in our church at the age of 24 with a church of 1,500. So, so I'm not asking you to do something. I don't know. I've realized That God gives seed to the sower. Those that give, God blesses. And and when you say, God, I'm gonna make this faith pledge, God will open up opportunities you would have never been able to open up on your own because it's Him advancing you to move His kingdom forward. And then you get blessed in it. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, 10 and 11. It says, Now He who gives, now to Him, now He who supplies seed to the sower. So who does He give seed to? The sower said, and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. So he's going to increase the seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So think about this. God gives seed to who? The sower. And what I've learned is as God stretches my capacity, and when I stretch in giving, what it does is it enlarges me. Some of you are asking for God's blessings, and He's pouring it out in your life, but your capacity is so low, it falls out. And so when you give, it's like it's a stretch. God, are you sure? Okay, we're going to go all in. And as you've stretched, he's like, okay, you've just enlarged the capacity. I'm going to not only bless your life, but I'm going to give you more seed because you were faithful to do what I put in your heart to do. And so think about that when you're doing it. It's like, God, I trust you. Either we we believe God's word or we don't. And I've seen it over and over and over in our life. And seed comes in lots of different forms and fashions. Uh, sometimes seed, because you can look at your bank account. How I many of you say... God, you ever had a conversation? You're like, yo, gee, you seeing what I'm seeing? Like, I don't see no seed up in there. Like, I'm just trying to pay the bills. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And My ghetto came out. I'm sorry. It's just, (laughs) I don't know where that came from. I've had those conversations with God. We're just talking like that. but, But sometimes giving comes in giving up something you're already doing. So think about this. Some of you get Starbucks four or five times a week. What if you just said, hey, I'm going to give up two or three Starbucks. And I'm going to give that to the Moving Forward Capital Campaign. God, that's the seed that you're giving me. And you sow it into what God's doing. I mean, think about that. And so you say, listen, maybe you say, I'm not going to do any Starbucks. I'm going to do Folgers in your cup, somebody. (laughs) And and you laugh. But here's the reality. Realizing... That if I do that, my child who's out there in a portable environment, which is as excellent an environment as you can make it in a school, you say, man, my child is going to be in a first-class, state-of-the-art environment that is in that building and that property. I think I can give up some Starbuckses, right? (laughs) There's another thing you could do. You could say, man, my family, we're not going to go out to eat one night a month. Like Phyllis and I, we take our family, we go eat. Uh, My kids, I got six in our family. It's $100. Like, Caden is 13. We call him our man child. He's taller than Phyllis, almost taller than me. And I'm saying, Hey, Caden, you need to get a kid's meal. Right? Waiter's like, Sir, how old is your son? I'm like, He's 11. <laughs> right? I mean, do you know it is? It's like, whoo! my God, you boy don't eat all you, you know? And and so what what we've decided, like, what if we could just say, hey, not every family night, but just one night a month, we're going to take that money, and we're going to sow it into the moving forward. See, that's where you find the seed that God will provide for your life, and then he blesses you with more and more. And so maybe it's a vacation. Instead of going to Aspen or Bora Bora, come on, you just say, hey, listen, We're going to do a staycation. We're going to Brazos Bend State Park and fighting the alligators. Come on. That's going to be our vacation this next two years, right? I mean, so you begin to say, God, I'm going to limit some things, and I'm going to say no to that. Why? Because this is your moment. This is our moment. This is the time God's called us to. And if not not you, then who? Like for us to pray, oh God, bless other people. No, God wants to bless you. He's tired of your prayer of bless everybody else. He wants you to have faith and courage so he can start blessing you to be a legacy giver. Maybe you delay on buying a house or a car or you know, uh, a boat or something that is a big ticket item where you just say, hey, we're, I'm not saying never, just just hold on this and let's, let's wait till this is over. Let's, let's give, go all in on this campaign and see what God would do in your life. Even last year, Phyllis and I, uh, we, we were given to the legacy offering and um, it, it was the last one and not the last one, last year, uh, 2018. And so God really spoke to us an amount, but that amount was what we were going to use to remodel our house. And so, you know, we launched the church out of our house. That was our house you saw pictures of. We live in the same house we started church in, you know, eight years, eight years ago in meeting there. And so, man, there were holes in the wall. We had children's ministry set up in the bedrooms, you know, all the different things that come with all the wear and tear. So we'd set aside some money. And it felt like God said, and, you know, uh, Phyllis, we talked about it and we were both like, man, you know, we really want our house just just normal and just paint repainted and redone. And so we said, but God's really speaking to us to do this. And so we gave and, Just a week later, somebody gave us, didn't even know what we did, never told anybody, just said, the Lord spoke to us. We want to sow X amount of dollars in you, which was enough for us to remodel our house. And we had the opportunity to sow seed, and then God had the opportunity to bless us. It's amazing. Look, when you take care of God's house, he takes care of your house. So I just want to encourage you. There's, there, you, know, you do stocks and stocks. Last uh, legacy uh, offering, someone gave stocks. So thinking about, okay, that could be the seed of what God you're calling me to sow. Bonuses. You, most of you don't even know what God has planned for you. you just say, God, if you get a bonus this year, I'm going to sow that in. And so you begin to think about this seed that God would bring you like. Tax returns. Listen, how many know it's coming soon. Uh, government's had it the whole time, so why not just transfer it on to God? You know, it's just just seed. It's like these are opportunities for us to find seed in our life so that we can advance what God wants to do here in this moment. And uh, a seed, what I found, may leave your hand, but it never leaves your life. A seed is a kingdom investment that follows you all the way into eternity. And I'm not going to share the passage, but Matthew 6, 19 says, store for yourselves treasures in heaven. And that's what the seed is. It's like God, man, I'm excited to get to heaven and see what what treasures God has for me, the rewards of obedience that He has for each and every one of us. Here's the third thing I want you to bring your greatest need. So, when we bring our pledge cards and uh, our miracle offering, I want you to write on the pledge card your greatest need. This is really important. God, what are you asking him to do that you need a miracle? Like, God, you're the only one that could do this. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray with you. We're going to link arms with you. And I believe with all of my heart, God's going to answer your prayer in a powerful way. He's going to do exceedingly, abundantly, far over and above all that you could ask, think, or even imagine because of the power of God that's working on the inside of you. And so I want you to write that down now. Next week, I'm going to give you the pledge cards and the giving guide. And Again, I want you to know we're not asking you to give anything today. I'm not asking you to give anything next week. Continue to give faithfully in tithes, offerings as the Lord directs you, but we're not going to take the offering until March 1st. Can I get an amen? Amen. Uh, I also want you to know this anniversary service is really going to be a party. So I want you to block off March 1st. I want you to really say, hey, we're coming and we're going to celebrate. It's going to be uh, just an amazing day for us to experience the miracle. Isn't it awesome when you experience a miracle? But uh, let me tell you something that's even better. When you experience a miracle with someone else. And it's like, wow, we did this. And that's what that day is going to be. And somebody can say, I know this is our moment, but does it really matter? I want you to know that it does matter. It matters for the paubles that come to our church. He came to America in 2007 from Bulgaria, goes to an Ivy League college. He doesn't just get one master's degree, he gets two master's degrees in engineering, electrical and computer. Moves to Sugar Land because of an opportunity, making lots of money, great money, gets married, has a kid. Life seems to be going well. But then we, we, I met Phyllis and I. I. had dinner with those guys you know, just a couple of months ago, and it was amazing. He said, you know, I felt empty, and I felt lost, and I felt like I didn't have any purpose. So I'm living this dream, but I'm empty on the inside. And so his friend had been inviting them. they have been inviting this couple to come and be a part of Anchor Bend. Been asking them for a while. He said, but finally, I just, I just said, yes, we're going to come. So he came to our Deeper series last year, if you remember that series, and they're sitting here. And at the end of the message, God touches his heart and at the end of the service, he gives his life to Jesus Christ and has been living for God since, all because of Anchor Bend in this moment. And it gets better. After he gives his life to Christ, he's like keeps coming back to church, he hears about small groups, joins a small group. Has a band of brothers that he's doing live. He joined a men's small group. And so he's like, man, I'm doing life It's great. Tell me about this Next Steps class that you have. And, and discovers that that's our process to help people uncover the purpose that God has on the inside of it. He's like, man, that's what I've been missing. Goes to Next Steps. Goes through all four steps. Graduates. Starts serving on the hub out in the foyer. And, and says, I've never been more alive Filled with purpose and excited about what God's doing in my life, my family, this church, and the community. God changed Pavel's life. It's amazing. I think about Deja. Deja's 11 years old. She and her family have been coming to Anchor Bend for a little while, so she's a part of the children's ministry. And about a year or so ago, her family fell on hard times, started struggling financially, couldn't pay the bills, barely making ends meet, living in an apartment, not knowing how funds and finances were going to come in to provide for them. She goes to her small group. Every child in elementary is a part of a small group. How many know they need community just like we need community? And so they're talking about it and tells them, hey, listen, our family's struggling. So the small group begins to pray over them that God would move in a miraculous way and give her parents a new job and a place to live that was a home. She goes, leaves, and and, and just a little while along, a couple months later, her mom gets a brand new job, paying amazing money. They move into a brand new house or a house that is new for them and comes back and says, man, God really cares. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it's like God cares about the prayers of our children. I think about Mackenzie. She's also 11 years old. She goes to our children's church. Family been coming to our church for a while now. She's in children's church. She's learning that God can do anything, that nothing is impossible through the power of God, that he can heal the sick, that he loves people and wants to do that. She begins to pray for her grandma. Her grandma was diagnosed with cancer. So she's praying over grandma, said she had a dream that God healed her grandma. Where grandma goes to the doctor, Short time after that, the doctor gives good news, tells them that the cancer is shrinking and going away. Isn't that amazing? And and she said, wow, God really cares. How many know God cares about the prayers of your children? That he answers what they ask him for. And and it's an amazing thing when you train them up and raise them up. I I think about Josh and Natalie. Uh, Josh and Natalie, I just heard his story a couple of weeks ago, and I was just blown away by what God has done. Since 2015, his family has come to Anchor Bend. And, uh, you know, his brother, or her brother plays drums, and he was on drugs and messed up, and God saved him, and now he's serving. He's been inviting his family. They keep coming to church. Natalie's still in the party scene doing drugs, you know, alcohol, and the whole party lifestyle. You know, if you were pulled out of that lifestyle, what it is. But she decided to come to church. She was hesitant at first because she got kicked out of her last church and has never been to church since. came here. She said two things. I felt loved and accepted. She said, I was a mess. And yet, even though I was a mess, you would say hi. People said hi. It was just, I I didn't feel judged. I felt loved. And so she kept coming. Her life didn't change overnight. In fact, didn't change at all. She kept partying, doing drugs, living the party lifestyle. She gets pregnant out of wedlock. So here she is. She's pregnant. And instead of running from God, she runs to God found a place where she could actually still be loved even though it's out of wedlock, a place where they weren't going to judge her. And so she, she came, and here's what's amazing. She not only came through her pregnancy, she invites her boyfriend who's a drug dealer, thug, no good, never kept a job down except for selling drugs, invites him to come to church. He's skeptical. He's like, yo, they know church's going to want me. Comes to church, meets people for the first time here who loved him. He said, I didn't feel judged. He said, I know I would look like a mess. In fact, one of the guys who greets Jonathan Castile met him uh, right after the service and said, Hey, I want you to know, my name's Jonathan, and uh, I just want you to know, here's my number. Felt like, for whatever reason, to give him his number. If you ever need anything, you just contact me. I'm here for you. Josh said it was so weird. I never have a dude try to give me his number. He said, But I tell you what, it marked me because I never had a person in church ask for my number either. And so he left. Lifestyle didn't change right off off the bat. Jonathan kept loving on him, and everybody would love on him as they kept coming, just in love them as they were. Look, you don't have to be fixed up to come to church. So they came. Then last year, after having come for a little while, finally they gave their life to Jesus Christ in one of these services, just like you're sitting in. God changed them radically and here's what's interesting he keeps hearing the message go to next steps you want to discover purpose get in small groups and he's like okay I'm just I'm doing good to come to church every week and so they're living together figuring out how they're going to do this baby thing decides hey we're going to go to next steps well next steps discover God's plan for relationship is covenant that it's marriage that living together you'll never have the blessing of God it's only through the marriage that God blesses covenant and so they said this hey listen We're tired of living in sin. Can somebody marry us? Last month, Pastor Chris Bickham married them at the Fort Bend Dream Center. (laughs) And now they're in a small group, and he serves every... In fact, he was serving out there underneath the breezeway this morning. Don't tell me where we're at this moment doesn't matter. It matters for them. And so what we know is that it is lives that are at stake. It's not about a building. It's not about property. It's about lives and reaching them and that God has trusted us with this moment. So here's the question. What will we do? What are we going to do? How do we respond? And this is what I I propose. This is what I believe, that we're going to purchase that property in March. We'll buy the building. We're going to leverage every square inch of that property to see lost people come to Jesus and lives radically changed.